Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Meredith Steeler with Steeler Ranch in Kerrville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas has the worst pasture and range conditions in the nation. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With local dairies providing a large customer base for the product, forage production remains on the rise in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. How price differences between cotton and polyester create challenges to get cotton use by retailers, brands, and product developers. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I will have more from Cotton Incorporated on Texas Ag Today. September in Texas is an active month for gardeners and landscapers. Please show me John Begno as we talk about some of the things that we'll be doing for gardening in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The summer drought has once again devastated pasture and rangeland conditions across our state. USDA's Brad Rippey says the latest pasture and rangeland condition ratings show Texas has the worst in the nation. Dry spots as we head into fall for rangeland and pastures, that is a concern with each passing week this time of year because if those pastures don't recover by the time the cold season hits, they tend to stay in pretty rough shape until spring. We have two main areas of concern, one stretching from the southern plains and the western Gulf Coast region northeastward into the western Corn Belt, and then a second area across the northwest. The states leading the country this week in pastures and rangelands very poor to poor, Texas, 71%, Louisiana, 68%, Minnesota, 66%, and Washington State at 65%. Rippey says topsoil moisture levels are at the second worst level in history, second only to last year. Texas A&M is hosting a webinar to help landowners manage their property for white-tailed deer. To help Texas landowners better manage white-tailed deer on their property, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host a webinar on the topic at noon, October 5th. 
Dr. Jacob Dykes, an extension wildlife specialist, will discuss how landowners can promote deer habitat, identify and correct issues with herd structure, and mitigate nutritionally stressful periods. He will also discuss herd structure, brush management, and supplemental feeding. Cost is $35. You can register at agriliferegister.tamu.edu. That's agriliferegister.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Jessica Domel. The prospects for the Texas cotton crop that has yet to be harvested still look dim. The latest crop ratings show only 10% of the Texas cotton now rated good to excellent, 25% rated fair, and a big 65% of the cotton crop that is left rated poor to very poor. Other crops do look a bit better. The corn that is left to harvest is now rated 49% good to excellent, 27% fair, and 24% poor to very poor. Sorghum rated 45% good to excellent, 22% fair, and 33% poor to very poor. The Texas rice crop is coming out with the best ratings. 63% of the rice rated good to excellent, 35% fair, and only 2% of the Texas rice rated poor to very poor. Forage production is on the rise in the Texas High Plains. James Hunt says local dairies provide a large customer base for forage producers. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says a big trend is continuing. The increase in the number of Texas High Plains farmers growing crops for forage instead of grain. However, she says that wet spring we had did have some wondering if things were being taken a bit too far. With the rain, there was concern, oh no, what if we overplant our forage acres? What if, you know, we see this need drop off because we're going to have good moisture, but the way the season has wrapped up, it doesn't appear that that's going to be the case. So there are still very strong forage contracts. And because of that, we have a lot of producers who are making their cropping decisions based off of forage. So as Dr. Bell explained, our dry summer pretty much eliminated eliminated concerns about an oversupply issue. Meanwhile, the demand side of the equation is getting stronger because, as AgriLife dairy specialist Juan Pinheiro points out, our region's dairy industry is still growing. More cows need more forage, which will require more forage production. So that's the number one research area that I'm working on right now. It's uh, working on drought-tolerant, water-efficient, hybrids and crops. And we look forward to a lengthier discussion with Dr. Pinheiro about those research efforts in the near future. Meanwhile, here's a reminder that AgriLife is hosting a big dairy event on October 18th. Southwest Dairy Day will feature the Del Rio Dairy near Bovina and will give producers a first-hand look at cutting-edge technologies, including an anaerobic digester and rotary parlor automation. To find out more, contact AgriLife or search online with the words 2023 Southwest Dairy Day. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Price differences between cotton and polyester create some challenges for the cotton industry. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Mark Masura, Cotton Incorporated Senior Vice President for Global Supply Chain Marketing, is my guest again today. Mark, let's talk about the economics around cotton and polyester and the definite price differences between the two per pound. For companies that are choosing which fiber to put in a product, one thing they look at is what's the price of the ingredient. And cotton, relative to its key competitor like polyester, is actually more expensive as a raw ingredient. 
Now, the solution isn't to lower the price of cotton. The solution is to build demand for cotton and find ways to get retailers, brands, and product developers to use cotton at current prices or good prices for farmers. So that's our goal, is to find other ways to get around the fact that cotton currently in the market is not competitive with fibers like polyester. Texas, of course, is the number one cotton production state in the United States. What's your advice to cotton farmers here in Texas as we move forward considering this competition with other fabrics and what they need to do? What's your best advice there? I give this advice to a lot of U.S. farmers, and Texas, as you know, leads the country in production. But they also lead the cotton effort in terms of the research, the support of Texas cotton farmers for programs like the Cotton Research and Promotion Program, research efforts at the universities and the extension service, and the organizations in Texas that lead the industry effort to share best practices and encourage the farmers to keep doing the things they need to do to be at the leading edge of their industry. And Texas cotton farmers are, and that's something that needs to continue. That is Mark Masur. He is with Cotton Incorporated. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. September is an active month for Texas gardeners and landscapers. Horticulturalist John Begno has more from San Angelo. Well, September is a month we look forward to because there's so many things that gardeners can do. Whether it's rural or urban, it doesn't really matter. It's a plant-loving month. And we can begin thinking about fall fertilizing. And if you live in an area of Texas, which was under some pretty dry conditions, hot conditions, which is most of the state, then you'll probably want to really consider fall fertilizing young trees, especially in your turf grass, if you still have turf grass, and your older trees that look stressed. If they lost their leaves or the leaves turned brown like a bunch of trees in South Texas have done because of lack of rain, then fall fertilizing and watering in, or even better yet, getting a fall rain on top of it, is really going to be helpful. It may be also time to consider planting trees. We think of September and October as months that are excellent for planting trees. So you'll want to select a species that maybe is pretty tough, that's going to handle a lot of dry conditions, that is a, a good location for the tree. It has landscape qualities like it might bloom, it may provide shade where you need it. It may be a screen, but be sure you have a reason to plant a tree and select the right one. And it's time to wrap up summer turf planting. If you have some that you lost and you want to replant, or if you have gone through a really dry period in underwater conservation standards and you're thinking of taking turf grass out, you might consider using patios, terraces, hardscapes as an option to make them a little bigger, maybe make flower beds a little bigger and use drought-hardy shrubs. And if you truly do choose to take the turf grass out and go with artificial or with something like xeric rock or river rock, some form like that, remember a couple of things. Those things can be really hot in the summertime. So you have shade trees on top of these hard surfaces or these temporary surfaces or permanent surfaces that will get reflective heat to the house you'll want some shade. And remember, if you have existing trees and shrubs under these new garments or new things you're going to lay down, that you make sure that you leave your irrigation system where you can water those things to make sure they stay healthy. This is John Begno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. 
Quail populations are up across the state, but there are a few regions where it will be harder for hunters to bag a quail this season. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's time to start thinking about preconditioning your spring-born calves. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Political ad paid for by Right to Farm Texas PAC. Learn more about Proposition 1 at righttofarmtexas.com. That's right, the number two, farmtexas.com. Political ad authorized by Right to Farm Texas PAC. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It is time to start thinking about preconditioning your spring-born calves. Dr. Bob Judd says that can add a lot of value. Preconditioning your calves includes castration, dehorning, vaccinating for black leg and respiratory diseases, and treating for parasites. Ideally, this should be done before the calves are weaned, as this decreases stress when they can go back on the cow for a short period of time. You can also precondition after weaning, but Dr. James Mitchell with the University of Arkansas indicates you need to keep the calves at least 45 days after preconditioning. To perform preconditioning, it must be profitable for the rancher, and Dr. Mitchell indicates it is profitable in most cases. He gives an example of preconditioned steer calves in Arkansas this time of year that are bringing $14 per hundredweight premium, while preconditioned heifers were bringing $17 per hundredweight at auction. For a 500-pound calf, that is $72 extra per head and $83 extra for steers and heifers. Certainly, that premium does vary from year to year, but at least at this point, Preconditioning is a good return on investment. There is some question about the benefit in castrating bull calves. Producers get paid by the pound, and it is believed that selling bull calves is never an advantage over steers, even considering that bull calves may weigh more. Separate from the preconditioning programs, bull calves would have to weigh 70 to 100 pounds more than steers to have a comparable value, as steers in Arkansas are selling for $20 per hundredweight more than bulls. If you keep the calves an extra 45 days after weaning, they would gain an additional 68 pounds or approximately $116 per head. These are average numbers and precondition and keeping the calves longer depends on your facilities and feed available. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Quail populations are up across the state, but Jessica Domel tells us there are a few regions where it will be harder for hunters to bag a quail this season. 
Thanks to spring rains improving habitat conditions, quail populations have grown across the state this year, which is good news for quail hunters and enthusiasts. John McLaughlin, Upland Game Bird Program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says South Texas and the Gulf Coast Prairies region saw the largest increase in quail populations. Bob White's in South Texas, we saw a big bump. We really measure that on a couple metrics, but one is just how many birds we see on our roadside counts and how large those coveys are, and then also how many chicks or how many broods we see on those counts. And so those numbers were up across the board for South Texas, for Bob Whites, and then again, they were all up for our scale quail populations in the Transpecos. We saw smaller bumps in other regions as well. So um, those are just the big bumps. We saw a bump in Bob Whites in the rolling plains. We saw a bump in scale quail and Bob White in the high plains. And so there are other good signs that birds were able to make some gains, but those were more modest gains. And we expect probably more limited hunting opportunities in those regions, although there still will be opportunity. We had that great rainfall in May, June, and that really gave us a boost. But the heat that settled in really put a damper on reproduction across the state. Quail hunting season starts in late October in Texas. McLaughlin said there are a few regions where it may be harder for hunters to bag a quail. It's probably going to be difficult if you're in the cross timbers. If you're in the southern rolling plains, again, numbers are up, but it's probably going to be a bit more spotty versus going up and say the Canadian River watershed or maybe the northern panhandle where we got a little bit more steady rainfall throughout the summer where there will be better opportunities. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Bag Coaches Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. Find more information by visiting tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a very volatile trade in the cattle futures market over the last week. Triple-digit gains, triple-digit losses. Well, Friday, we wrapped it up on a positive note with gains across the board on both live and feeder cattle. October live cattle ending the week 210 higher at 187.07. December was up $1.85, 191.35, with February live cattle up $1.47 at 195.55. Same story on the feeder cattle. Nearby September feeders up 82 cents, 254.10. October feeders up $1.37, 259.15. With November feeder cattle up 82 cents, 263.52. Cash fed cattle market mostly steady over the past week. We saw live sales here in the Southern Plains at 183. That is fully steady with the previous week. Up north, they had live sales at 184 to 187, dressed sales 292 to 293, those prices steady to a dollar higher. Boxed beef was higher Friday, choice up 224 at 304.17, select up a dollar 30 at 280.30. 
Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend right here is Brian Lentzman, Seguin Cattle Company. Brian, how'd the sale go this week? Sale turned out good again this week, Larry. Ended up with 847 head of cattle. Those two to three weight steers, 170 to 280. Three to four weights, 198, 325. Four to five weights, 195 to 320. Five to six weights, 194 to 293. Six to seven weights, 171 to 235. With seven to eight weight steers, 164 to 208. Get to the heifer mates, two to three weights, 168 to 260. Three to four Four weights, 175 to 268. Four to five weights, 194 to 268. Five to six, five to six weight, 176 to 245. With the six to seven weights, 159 to 255. Uh, top end of the cows, 115 today. Uh, top end of the bulls, 130. Had some palpated cows up to 1300 and a few pairs up to 2000. So, you know, I'd call this stalker calf market maybe two to three better, but that was people pushing themselves around and Packer cows and bulls, you know, it was steady. But these lighter frame cows, you can see they were kind of taking a little money off. But that's kind of cow and calf market. Right. Sheep and goats, how did it do? Sheep and goats ended up with 655 uh, Top end of the nannies, $230. With kid goats bringing from 280 to 350 And the Dorper used top end, 135 With the good lambs bringing from 180 to 265 So once again this week, we gained a little ground on that end. Good. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale there in Seguin, Brian. You can give us a call at 830-379-9955, or you can call me on my cell phone at 830-305-0652. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Take care, Cousin Larry. You bet. Bye-bye. Neighbor, you folks take care, too, until you come back to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for another one of our programs, this one, Walking the Pens. You're listening to it today and every Monday through Friday on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs took a drop on Friday. October hogs dropped a dollar forty-two to close at eighty-one fifty-two. December down two thirty seventy-two seventeen. Class three milk finished higher. Nearby September milk up three cents eighteen forty-one a hundred weight. With October milk up twenty at seventeen twenty-one a hundred. The cotton market had another slightly lower close. Weaker energy markets and a sluggish Dow Jones, both weighing on the cotton market on Friday. October cotton down 83 points at 84.04. December down 56, 85.91. With March cotton down 52 points, 86.75 cents. Corn and wheat markets both finished slightly higher in a somewhat moderate trade, moderate volume to wrap up the week on Friday. Not a whole lot of news to move either market. December corn up two cents, four seventy-seven and a quarter. March corn up two and a quarter, four ninety-two and a quarter. With May corn up two and a half, five oh one a bushel. Hard and soft wheat both managing some slight gains. December Kansas City wheat up three quarters, seven eleven and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up three and three quarters, five seventy-nine and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up three cents at 264. November West Texas crude up 61 at 90.24 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 41 points, 34,112. The Nasdaq up 55 at 13,279. The S&P up 10 points, 4,340. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. 
Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.